Hello and welcome to Sue and Greg's second podcast, Conversations on Karate. Hello, Greg. Hello, Sue. How are you? I'm going to try not to cough through this whole thing. I'm okay. Greg is dying currently. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but I'm all right. Which is not okay. I just don't want to keep coughing all the way through it. I don't want you to cough all the way through no. it either, believe me. Well, after our last show, Greg, you were texting me saying... Right, what should we do for our next one? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, we can go anywhere from that. We can do kata, we can do kumite, or haha, we could talk about what you do when you have really bad training sessions and it's all just impossible and it all feels like you can't do it anymore. Yes. And you said, oh yeah, that's fine. I feel like that sometimes too. Yeah. I was so surprised. <laughs> I don't know why you were surprised though. Why did you feel surprised at that? Because you and everyone else always seems really confident and they're just doing it. And and maybe it's just not the kind of class where people say, oh, that was really hard. I don't know. It depends what you mean by hard, though. I think every session should be hard. Every but whereas session, you mean yeah. you mean difficult in the sense nothing feels right. Nothing feels right. Yeah. A couple of sessions where, you know, you're doing something and it just, you know, you understand it in your head. You cannot communicate that to your legs and arms. Nothing's working. You do some sparring. It's all just off. Mm-hmm. Everything is wrong. And you end up coming away thinking this is just too hard. And I have to say, the first time I felt like that, I'd had a couple of really great training sessions. And I did something that was probably really dim. I came home and looked at all of the syllabuses. I looked at like three or four ahead and I thought... Yeah, that's not a good idea. It wasn't a good idea. The first time I did it, I was new. And because I didn't understand any of it, it didn't matter. Yeah. This time I looked at it and thought, well, that's impossible then. Yeah, it probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> but... So everyone has them. Everyone has yeah, training sessions when it's all just, you go home and it's all just awful. And you think, right, okay. Yeah, I, I get it all, I wouldn't say all the time, I get it quite a bit. Okay, well what do you do when you've had that? How do you pull yourself out of that? What do you do? Do you just rock up to the next training session and yeah. shrug it off? Yeah, I think that's all you can do. The best thing to do is just think you've done something. So even if it was a bad session, at least you've done something, which is better than nothing. So there's, there's, something's always better than nothing. So at least you just didn't turn up and didn't train at all, even if it was a bad session. The other, the other Sunday, I, I, we did, um, what did we do? We did some pad drills, some sparring, other bits and pieces, and it, wasn't, it didn't feel a great session for me at all. Mm. But then the two sessions we had after that that week were brilliant. Mm. So it's two against one. So as long as you're having more good sessions than bad, you should be fine. Everyone has a bad session. Mm. It's just normal, completely normal. But as long as you don't get put off by it. Yeah, I think that's the, the trouble, isn't it? Is that you can come home and think, that was really hard. I don't know if I can. Especially when yeah. you do have two or three. And you start to think, is this possible? Is it? Yeah, I think sometimes as well, you, you, if you train too much, you're going to start having bad sessions because you're not recovering properly. I find that if, I'm, if, if I do too many sessions during the week, whether it's actual karate training or if I'm just lifting weights in the gym, if you do too much too often you're going to start having bad sessions because you're just not recovering quick enough right especially if you've got little nagging injuries and things like that well that's true actually i mean i have been i suppose doing three a week for a while yeah plus i'm sure you do extra outside of the three a week we do like extra I, exercise yeah, well like yeah, yeah extra I whatever do. whether it's karate or not just like i do i do yeah yeah i do and sometimes it is you know, it does seem like an awful lot. Yeah. Usually for me, if I find I have a bad session, it's because I've I've trained fairly close to that session before it, whether it's the day before or a couple of days before, and I'm still maybe a bit sore or my shoulder's playing up, which I've had a bad shoulder for years, so maybe that's playing up a little bit. Yeah. That's usually the cause of it. 
But as long as you don't push yourself and injure yourself, you can get away with having a bad session as long as you've done something somewhat productive. I think for me, when I was doing it, it just didn't feel productive because I wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah, yeah. which is a sign maybe it. you need to step back for have a, a week off and then come back with a fresh head, start again. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's what you need, just a week away. And then you come back with a fresh pair of eyes and ready to go again. <laughs> <laughs> hoping you do anyway well yeah fingers crossed hoping you're ready to to do it again rather than just go oh yeah got fat and unfit (laughs) in a week (laughs) maybe i doubt it though but do you find that quite a bit do you i don't know that i find it quite a bit but every now and then i'll have two or three things that go wrong what do you mean when you say go wrong in what sense if we're, we're doing things in a line and we're doing whole sequences yeah and i start losing the thread completely Okay. It seems to me like everyone else has got it. Maybe they haven't. I don't know, because you can't see. You're concentrating on what you're doing. And I've lost the thread. Totally lost it by halfway through the, mm-hmm. the sequence. Um, and that's fine when that happens once. But when that happens two or three times, that's really frustrating. Yeah, and then if it you, can, yeah definitely you know, can be. And um, if you're then doing sparring as well, and that doesn't go as you think it should, or you planned it to. Yeah, I would say sparring never goes as I planned it. <laughs> Does it not? Well, yeah, it does. But I, I think you can't really plan too far ahead. If you're, it depends, especially if you're changing partners every couple of minutes. You can't plan for everyone. You just you plan on the spot. So if I start sparring with somebody new, we change partners, and start sparring with somebody else, I might come up with some sort of idea of what I might do. But normally, you just you go on instinct, and just react. Well, you do. You just go with it, and you just react. But sometimes, I don't know. It just doesn't flow. Like you said, it doesn't flow. Doesn't gel. Yeah. But I think. It's the showing up afterwards. Yeah, definitely. It's the not giving up. Yeah. It's the coming it's back. It's all part of the, the journey, as they say, of karate, the, the great journey of karate. I think that's really true, though, because when you don't quit, when you come back and you try again and you say to yourself, you know what, it's all right, I can do better next time or mm-hmm. Yeah, but you get plenty of those. Things. I got that Brad punched me in the nose the other day when we were sparring, and I was I couldn't see my eyes started watering. But you just you think no, you keep going, and eventually you just get through it, and it's it's fine. Yeah, it's just one of those things. So we do, we get there in the end. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, you keep going, and if it's really bad, take a week off or a session off. Maybe not a week, but one session off and come back, start again. As long as you don't give up, you'll be all right. The first time I did sparring against somebody who was really difficult and really big that worked Mm -hmm. i created a strategy just for myself that i didn't ask anyone for yeah and that was move yes breathe normally a good strategy for any but it was just it was literally move breathe and block and i took trying to hit them right out of it just for myself yeah it what it worked actually because what it did was i just concentrated 100 percent on not getting thumped yeah and as I did that, I didn't panic. And because I didn't panic, I saw the space. Mm-hmm. And I actually landed a couple. Good. So it actually was, sometimes it's about finding a strategy that, that you really Well, I think what work, you did is you hit the nail on the head there, though, is just keep a calm head under pressure. If you can do that, you'll be fine. It's when you panic and you tense up and then nothing goes right. You have to stay calm. Mm. Especially if, you, if some, someone's coming in at you. If you're sparring against someone who's sparring really heavy, really hard against you it's hard to keep calm once you manage it you start seeing little spaces little gaps in their defenses you can creep in and yeah that's the best thing you you nailed it there that's the best thing to do cool i'm doing the best thing you are well for that situation you were 
It worked. I think that's the thing. You've told me that I press a lot, you know, you push do. in. But it took you a while to get there, though. Yeah. You never used to. It's only because I kept on at you for a long time. <laughs> yeah. To... But it's sometimes you have to let go of that. Yeah, definitely. That's, strategy, that's... 100%, 100% you have to let go of that strategy and step out of it and do something else. Yeah. Just to keep a calm head. Yeah, you do. I think that there's a time and a place for moving forward. And there's a time and a place for sitting back a little bit and counterfighting maybe. As long as you get the best balance of both, you'll be all right. Because you can't, you can't go against everyone full speed it just because someone will find a way to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, if someone's very fast or they've got a huge reach, it will take more time to learn how to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. So, again, you will have done that a lot. Mm. You know, that was a good strategy for me to just calm down. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's good to spar with so many different people as well. I mean, I spar with Brad all the time, which is good. I love, love sparring with Brad, but we know each other so well that sometimes we don't get as much out of it as we could if we sparred with somebody we don't know. Because we know each other so well, we know how each other fights. We always go back to the same strategy every time. So is it possible then that some clubs, um, some groups, just don't do live training at all? Or, or rather, you know, live sparring with a great variety of partners until really high up? Or Yeah, I would say. I can't speak for everyone, but I definitely have seen it before. Clubs that do very little to no sparring at all. And when they do spar... It's very sort of traditional one versus one, nice, neat karate point type sparring, which has its place. But it's unfortunately, it's one of the underemphasized practices, which I think is common in a lot of traditional arts, um, not just karate. Look at, you know, some taekwondo schools, Japanese jiu-jitsu schools. There's a lot of kind of formal two-person drills and there's not a lot of live drilling, which... To me, it baffles me in a way because I just, I can't see how anyone can think you will get something out of it. I mean, you will, but it's part of a process. It's it's not the end of the process, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think I had so many, there were so many different thought strands that came out of what we did last week. Mm-hmm. One of them was that I, I was finding it difficult to understand how you could grade as a black belt Yeah. in one group and still be hang on i might need to rephrase that i know what you're trying to say i was finding it hard to understand how you can grade as a black belt but not be able to really do you know proper sparring but in another one that is an absolute requirement and has been for several belts and i'm i guess i'm finding it hard to understand how those can be equal belts i don't understand why they aren't they slightly aren't. different disciplines if you understand what I'm saying, why one isn't called fully integrated karate and another <laughs> one is is something different. I mean, one of the guys I used to train with who graded me to second down, he used to call it children's karate and adults karate based, <laughs> based on the historical kind of shift that karate took in the early 1900s towards school children physical education that kind of thing so it was very watered down it was very there was no partner work it was all solo kata that kind of thing which makes sense but what you were saying about one kind of um a universal standard of black belts it's never going to happen it just won't because there's just too much diversity in in terms of styles even kind of the way people do things within certain organizations is so different so there's there's hardly a standard of black belt in some organisations, let alone karate as a whole. 
it won't happen. But I think that's, again, I keep banging on about modern martial arts and I don't want it to sound like I'm slagging off the traditional arts because I'm very much a traditional martial artist. But the thing they get right is they measure by effect, which you need to do. They, what, does, what does that mean, measuring by effect? So, so they award a grade when you are sufficiently skilled enough to wear that grade. So, for example, you know, say you're a black belt in judo, you will have done so many hours of randori live training with loads of different people. So you are good enough to employ those techniques on just about anybody. That, I mean, I don't know because I don't practice judo, so I'm just, I'm guessing. But I would imagine that is a fairly consistent standard across judo as a whole. Whereas as karate, because a lot of it's done on your own, done in a line, solo kata, like we were talking about last time, the three Ks, you can get away with, in some organisations, not doing live training. So the black belt is to say you're good at those 3k elements of karate does that make sense yeah it does make sense that i don't think there ever will be a universal standard for black belt it just won't be part of me was thinking why aren't there two one with you know fully integrated with sparring yeah and one that absolutely isn't going to go there because it's not wanted yeah I, it would make just, sense if people were aware of what they were training for i think that's a lot of the issue with with karate as a whole is there's no kind of set goal as to what a certain syllabus is trying to achieve. Yeah. So, so you, you were saying that last time yeah. as well that you know that context is everything. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, and I agree with that. But it did occur to me afterwards that people might rock up to karate with, you know, not really that much of an idea about what the possibilities are. Yeah. So if you're, you know, you're not particularly into being gung ho and wanting to spar with people. Um, if that's what you were pitched into at a fairly strong level quite quickly, you'd be out the door and you wouldn't come back. Yeah. That's why I think, though, that even if you do a fairly, less, let's call it practical syllabus that is geared towards self-defence, you do a lot of live drilling, etc., etc., a lot of partner work, even with that, you still have all those elements of the single training of... Just because you do that doesn't mean you don't do your keyhole in a line, doesn't mean you do your cat, don't do your cat on your own. So you've still got that. So for the people that don't want to maybe go, you know, heavy sparring, because mm-hmm. it's not like you, you walk through the door and you immediately go, right, get your gloves on, get a head guard on, let's go. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. There's levels to it. And it, just because yeah. you're, you're there doesn't mean you have to do it if you're not comfortable with it. But because you start off so basic, you will build up very, very slowly like you did. I did. I read that in the in Jeff's website. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to kind of yeah. thing, which was in those days absolutely music to my ears. Yeah. And I have definitely changed. Yeah, for sure. 100%, in the last yeah. couple of um in the last year or so, maybe the last eighteen months, I have definitely changed because I've enjoyed it more and I've understood it more. Which for me that's always a big one for you, me. You you've nailed another thing there is understanding. I need to understand what I'm doing. Well everybody does. The issue, again, another issue for me with, with kind of the quote-unquote 3K Shotokan syllabus is it does not really develop an understanding. It's because it's not integrated, isn't it? Exactly. It's because it's not joined joined together. Like you were saying, they're standalone principles. Yeah. They're not joined together in order to roll yeah. out into self-defence or to make a fighter yeah. of you. Yeah, which are two different things, self-defence and, you know, making a fighter. Um, but going back to what we were saying before, I, th- I think... 
the issue is, and the reason there won't be a standardised black belt is because a lot of people aren't aware of what the goal, what their goal of the syllabus they have is. So I'm well aware with the syllabus that I created what the goal was for the end of it. And I made sure that you guys were aware of it when you were starting to work towards each grade. Whereas, let's say again, the 3K syllabus, the goal is to be good at 3K karate, which is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The issue is when that gets confused with the outcome being you're going to be proficient as a fighter or you're going to be proficient in self-defense, whatever that might entail, and you won't be. So you're going along to enjoy karate. Yep. You enjoy the whole the whole thing, but contact, sparring, uh, you know, live sparring is just not for you. That's great. Find a club where they say that's absolutely not a problem. We're not doing that. We're doing the 3K approach. We don't feel it's necessary to spar. Yeah, which is fine as, as long as they... Are clear that, about it. Yeah, well, as long as that person is clear that they will not get the self-defence slash combative benefits out of it that they might think they would get because let's be honest someone who walks into a karate school somewhere in their head is looking for some combative skill regardless of what they might say they say i want to do it to get fit well okay can you go to the gym yeah but i don't really like going to the gym okay well could you do some sort of other sport well i just want to do karate okay well why? well i suppose there's the added benefit of self-defense it will always be there at least in my experience of what I've seen from people, it will always be there in some form, mm. whether it's priority or not. So I think you need to be clear with people, are they going to get that or not? And I'm not saying, you know, to develop self-defence skills, you need to spend loads of time sparring because 90% of self-defence skills are what we would consider soft skills anyway that aren't remotely combative. Things like developing good awareness, learning to, you know, verbally... Um, diffuse situations, just common sense, things like that, that don't involve you even putting a gi on, let alone putting a pair of gloves on. But at some point, you need to be able to have some sort of combat experience. And if, if you're not going to get that, then I, I, I don't think you can you can advertise as self-defence. No, that makes sense. Yeah? Yeah. I went on a bit of a rant there, didn't I, I think? That's one of the things, yeah, I did. See, Sorry this is to people where, this that are is listening. really funny. This is really funny because I said to Greg, do you want to come and do, you know, I had this idea, I want to do a podcast. And you were like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. But I can't talk. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't yeah. talk. Yeah, I can, can talk. You I can. just <laughs> You just need somebody to sit in front of you and ask you a question. Yeah, right? yeah, And yeah. it's like, you know, That's true. just shut him up, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if people listen to this, though, that are part of that sort of traditional, I mean, and I have to, again, say we are... I hate to use the term styles because I don't really consider myself a Shotokan purist at all, but we are Shotokan practitioners. So I'm only talking from a Shotokan perspective. I haven't experienced every other style of karate in the world. So if I'm wrong about your style, then I'm sorry, but I haven't done every single one. Generally, that's <laughs> what I... lack I've... of effort, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I should be going and, and trying every single one. Absolutely. <laughs> that's you told <laughs> that's me told yeah I can't leave that in is that allowed that gets yeah, thrown fine. out of everywhere no it? it's fine I'm going to cough though <coughs> okay we'll just change the subject slightly mm-hmm. um, since we've been talking about different grades is it ever beneficial to just sit at a grade to just stop grading for a little while to yeah. just take a break yeah yeah Cause I, I would did, say so I think I did for a while at, at Yellow I don't know why but I did you did but I think that was more the case of we were in the process of moving clubs, etc., weren't we? It was sort of a 
it wasn't really a consistent time training. Yeah, but I really felt good for it afterwards when I came to do my next belt, which oddly was at Joe's. So I actually had to do a lot of catch up on, he did more line basics. So I had to do a bit of catch up. Yeah. But the the year I spent at um, Yellow, or however long it was at Yellow, I felt that was really getting in depth. Yeah. Like at the grade that I was. Which I think, I think the reason people focus, A, people focus too much on the grade completely which all that grade is is just a measure of your progress that's it and i think the trouble with kind of sometimes the formal grading is you train for the test rather than training for the sake of just training mm-hmm. and just learning and i think if if you were to take that formal grading away which we didn't do a formal grading for your yellow belt no we didn't we did we <laughs> it was more kind of you turned up for a session and at the end of it i i gave you a yellow belt you told me we we're going to do a run-through practice oh we did yeah yeah we did. did you're right yeah yeah <laughs> you lied to me <laughs> i did lie to you but you was you were saying you had a productive year sitting at a yellow belt though for a year Yeah, because i totally chilled about it yeah everything we were learning was new so i was completely interested in what we were learning but i and, you, and obviously you graded a green belt under joe mm. i could have given you that green belt months before then and you would have been at that green belt level it's not that you you weren't progressing it's just we didn't have a grading date do you see what i mean yeah so if i'd have all if i'd have said to you right this date you're going to grade it would have been like right okay i need to learn this i need to learn this i need to learn this oh i've got to get good at this whereas by taking that away and you just award the belt when you're ready it, it takes all that away you don't you don't need kind of the formal grade it is nice to do i think but i don't think it's necessary and I think as long as you're doing things that people enjoy, they won't fuss over the grade. Like there wasn't times you were going, oh, I wish I was a green belt, really, because you, you were training and you were learning and you were enjoying what you were doing. I mean, I've been a third down for, when did I grade to third down? 2011? So, you know, and I've not once gone, oh, I really wish I was a fourth down. It just, it's kind of an irrelevance to me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm looking for, I will be grading at some point this year and I'm looking forward to doing it. But it's, 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 it doesn't really mean as much as people might think it does mean. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to change a great deal. All I'm going to be doing is doing exactly what I do every week anyway. Um, and it's just someone saying, yeah, OK, you're at that level now. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. So it's big formality. It is in a way, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the formal kind of invitation style grading that that we we've done and that Joe does is, is really good because you're not it's not kind of you get some clubs where it's this is the grading date everyone's going to come everyone's going to pay their money and you might not make it mm. whereas if you're not invited to a grading with with us then obviously you're not going to pay to grade and ultimately fail you're only invited if you are ready to grade if that makes sense it totally makes sense and I think it's a really good way to do it if you're going to have formal gradings which of course we do have to you know if you're not ready your your teacher your sensei is already going to have come up to you and said not this time yeah you know you need you need more time on this to to get used to it which is that's great Mm -hmm. you can totally relax about it and just enjoy your training like you said i think the more more clubs i mean i don't know I'd i'd have to ask some people that do sort of teach in quote unquote practical karate applied karate clubs I think they will move away from the 
formal gradings. I wouldn't be surprised because I think it's a hard thing to gauge when you're going to be graded, if you know what I mean. Whereas it's, it's easy to kind of just assess progress as you go along with that kind of thing because you're not assessing really aesthetics anymore. Mm. That's really what you're doing in a, th in a 3K grading is you're assessing aesthetics, how, how nice something looks. Whereas when you're doing a kind of applied grading, you're, you're judging by effect. And if you feel like if I hold the pads for you, mm. I can feel the effect. So I know <laughs> yes. if you're better than you were six, 12 months ago. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Which, you know, which you are, which is good. So <laughs> it shows it's working. Yeah, well, that's a nice way to do it, isn't it? If you can knock your teacher off his feet, yeah. you pass. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's good, but it is necessary. Yeah. Formal, formal grading. Yeah, absolutely. The, the way things are set up in 99% of karate clubs in the world, yeah, formal gradings are necessary, and and that's fine. They 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 do their job, but I just I just think if if you got rid of the kind of the formalities, it wouldn't make too much difference to people. I don't think. One, I think once people are learning something that they feel value in, the the grade you are doesn't matter. You can sit at that grade for as long as you are, as long as you're still learning. Mm. I can't remember how we got onto that topic. I can't remember either. I should do okay. some memory training. Yes, but, um, I do remember when I first um when I very first went to Jeff's class because mm -hmm. um, I, I you know I rocked up and hadn't had any conversation with him before so it was kind of like hello you're here for me right stand over there and I'll tell you when to sit out yeah and it was it that was it did the class had a conversation with him afterwards and um, and he said right what do you want what, what are you here for what do you want and um, I can't remember what I said to him particularly but I did say but I don't need the grading Okay, I don't uh, he told me that, yeah, I, I remember, I I remember him telling that. me that. Yeah, it's And not, loads of people say that. Yeah, it's not necessary, I don't need to do that. And he said, that's fine, that's okay. Obviously you won't progress, but that's okay. I was like, oh, right, okay, I'm not entirely sure I like that. Who <laughs> knew I won't learn anything else? He said, not really. He said, it, it doesn't have to be like a test. It yeah. is just a way of formalising progress. Yes. And then you step on and go to the next part. Yeah. And I had not understood that before. I thought it was... I don't know something that you like aimed for and achieved, and you ha you were on this kind of. And it is, I think, I think especially for kids, that's a great thing to have. I, I th that's why I was always kind of against children adult syllabuses. The older I get, the m the more I kind of think it's a good thing, because obviously you know, they they do like things to aim for, whereas sometimes adults maybe don't necessarily need that kind of benchmark set that they need to go for they're just happy to learn and train for the sake of training mm. whereas you know you get a child who comes along because their parents force them to come they need that idea of the next belt to get there they're like, i need that green belt i need it whereas an adult maybe doesn't so you think there's some value in having slightly different things for children to train on than adults again it depends what you're training i guess if you're 3k strictly 3k club then maybe not that sounded fun didn't it clay club clay yeah club. clay pigeon shooting and karate and combined into one i was thinking like clay oh pot like making pottery, yeah yeah maybe you could do that well yeah because i mean you could have the wheel and then you could get the wheel really fast and then you could practice your braking could... techniques by smashing through the pots you've made yes we'll try that yeah we're, yeah. Back, we're back to me smashing things yeah with my hands mm -hmm. not gonna happen okay fair enough why do people do that it's a, it's a demo thing. It d depends what you're breaking, I guess. I mean, it's impressive. 
it's a, a show of kind of it, a lot, I think a lot of it comes from conditioning conditioning your hands I think there's better ways to do it personally but a lot of it's just for show if you do a demo it looks impressive if you break a few boards mm. as long as the people watching don't know that the boards are easily breakable with kind of the press of a finger are they really? yeah yeah always go against the grain and you'll be fine I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the same for concrete blocks. I've never tried to break a concrete block or a coconut or something like that, but I imagine that's a little bit different. I wouldn't try it. No. I don't think it's necessary. No. But just going back a minute and just changing subjects slightly, something that I was thinking is that doing traditional and line basics, it, it can feel reassuring. It can feel safe and a little bit more predictable. Yeah. Yeah, it can. And I get that. I do. It also can kind of give false confidence to people. And I've seen that many times. People say, oh, I'm so good. I'm a brown belt. Amazing. I'm really, really good. I can do kata and this, that and the other. And then, you know, you put the gloves on and all of a sudden they go, oh, my God. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. All of a sudden it just doesn't translate because they've never made it translate. Mm. Yeah, I think Joe said something like that the other week, as saying he's seen so many people lose confidence because they've never been made to do those excellent punches that they can do in the line mm. up against a pad. So they do it up against a pad for the first time at brown belt. Yeah, which you is know? shocking and to it, me. And he said that was just the... Com- he's seen people just lose so much confidence. That's outrageous. Yeah. I think. Sorry, you know. What maybe, it is? Maybe I should. Sue's be getting quite on her so... pedestal. Okay. Go on, Sue. Right here we go. Yeah, it is outrageous to put people in a position where they should lose all their confidence at brown belt for something so basic as landing a punch on an object. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So there you go. That's especially, my rant. That's good. No, I agree with you, especially when you consider the purpose of what a punch should be. Well, exactly. That's the thing. It's a punch. For goodness' sakes, you know, it's a bit like endlessly learning dance and never going on a stage. I mean, what's the point? very true and that's coming from a purple belt that's good normally people take a long time to realize that but it's good people realize it early yeah i'm just dripping my water everywhere that's all right yeah passion that's that's what it is fire <laughs> the fire's coming out of sue people can't see mouth. it but yeah. she's no, it, it, I, I think that's something that actually does bug me is putting people in a position where they lose confidence when it's not necessary when, yeah. to me, something like karate should be almost all about confidence. It should be about learning to trust your instincts and make your body strong. It's all about instinct. I've seen you insist that someone take their glasses off when they're about to spar, saying, no, you, A, you'll get hurt, and B, yeah. your well, instincts oh, will God be sake. slightly better yeah. because you have to pay so much more attention. So um, Yeah, I'm very so. particular about those kind of things. It's like with gum shields. I can't stand people sparring without gum shields in. I'm just... Like, for God, they're about three pounds from a sports shop. Buy one. You might save yourself hundreds of pounds of dental bills. You don't know. It's. I would never do anything without a gum shield in if I'm remotely doing something that's going to be contact-based. It just seems mad to me. But that comes from, again, I guess, people sparring where there's, there's, that risk isn't there. They know they're not going to get hurt, mm. which is fine. But getting hurt is it's part of combat. Essentially, that's what you're practising. However you want to dress it up karate is combat at the end of the day karate is combat and we're, we're back to sparring again aren't we, we are. we're back to sparring and this has been a kind of the theme of the first two is 
the importance of sparring, it yeah, seems course, like. It does seem like it, doesn't it? And I mean, huge amounts of that for me is confidence. Yeah. It's about learning what you can do, learning what you can't do and learning to maximise your own skills. You know, and, and I think unless you've given it a few goes, you actually don't know what your own skills are. No, you don't. And sometimes you need to teach you. And this is where you're actually really good at picking up what someone is doing well. Yeah. And saying, you're good at that. You should do that. Because you, you don't always know what it is that you're doing as a, as a beginner. Yeah. Um, you can be slightly unaware. You, you might think that you've just done something, but you're not actually quite sure what happened. And you are very good at saying, you're good at moving that way. And that's a good skill. However, you're not great at doing this. So, you know, improve that, but do that. Yeah, and I, I think that's more in line with the way karate used to be back in the day. That before it became, you know, the way it is today, is it was very, very individualised to people. Which is why you see so many variations in kata. Mm. Because someone would learn a kata, and they would obviously learn the applications as well. But, you know, a certain throw that someone's teaching might not work for that person as well as a different one. So they might replace it in that form slightly, so it would look slightly different than the person teaching them. And then when they taught that kata on, it would look slightly different to the next person because they would prefer other techniques in that form and they would emphasise other techniques in that form. Whereas, you know, the kind of from the 50s, I don't know, 30s, 40s, 50s onwards, where it became very regimented karate, it was you do it this way and that's it. It wasn't individualised, it was you're just learning the art now. Um, whereas obviously when you, when you bring it back to, to being combative, combat is very individual. You can't fight the same way. No one fights the same. Everyone's different. Everyone's body type's different. Everyone's moves differently. Mm. And you need you need to learn the techniques. You need to learn everything. But there will be certain things that you specialise in more than others. Mm. Which is like you say, is why I say to people, you're good at this. So focus on that. Don't neglect the other bits, but that should be your main focus. Going back to the, the formalised gradients, that's one of the areas the formalised gradients sometimes fall down for me is because you can you can almost sort of um, encourage people to move away from their strengths just to kind of get the grade, just to fulfil a criteria for a certain belt. Um, whereas if you kind of just use it, like we were saying, as, as just a measure of progress, you're always encouraging those different things. So you might have two green belts next to each other. One might be very good at something and not quite good at something else, you know, and, and, and vice versa, but they're still the same grade. The level's still the same, they just have different areas that they specialise in. I don't know if that made any sense at all. It's, it made sense in my head. It might have come out completely <laughs> ridiculous. I don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll leave it in. People can decide. Listeners, if you're listening to this, it was because I decided it made enough sense. <laughs> yeah, in my head it made sense. As, yeah. That's a lot of things with me. In my head it sounds good and when I say it, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a lot like sparring. It yeah. was, it's all going to be great. It's all going to be terrific. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you said I was I, I kept meaning, meaning to go back to you was saying about how people sometimes you wonder if they don't spar up until brown belt or mm. higher grades and then they lose confidence or something like that. Yeah you, yeah, you get a certain level and think that you're doing really well and then you go to spar or you go to do something against an object or a person and, and you lose all your confidence because you weren't what you thought you were. Yeah, I think that that's why it's important to build up gradually. When we talk about sparring... People might think, oh, it's just you shove the gloves on and you go for it, which is not necessarily all what I mean when I say sparring. Sparring, you know, for a white belt who's just walked in the door is not going to be the same as the sparring 
of a yellow belt. It's not going to be the same as aspiring for a purple belt, brown, etc. It builds in stages. I think if you, if you leave it until too high up the kind of belt ladder and then you say, right, now you're sparring, it's all of a sudden you're thrown at the deep end and you don't know you don't know what to do first because you've never been shown what to do. You're just expected to make things work. That's so true, that gradual thing. Yeah, it needs to be gradual. Very, very gradual, be. yeah, where you're told... I think in my first few classes we were told, right, you, you, you may not do more than touch the other person. That was it. Yeah. Um, but what I've really loved is also the um without gloves um games oh, um, the, 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 the games the you know the kind of going towards yeah. but not quite just touching yeah. touching the head touching the shoulder um they're really really clever ways to teach particularly kids i think but yeah. i've really enjoyed them too well it takes the pressure off of it but you're still drilling effective technique it's like the grappling games we do sometimes where it's like okay i want you to start from a clinch and your one your one objective is to gain this position and the other person's objective is to stop you from getting that position so it's fun and it's a game and you're playing with your partner but you're still drilling techniques that are effective they're not effective on their own but they're effective as part of a whole system i think what that teaches you is just um is just about confidence it's about knowing how to you know grapple and knows what your body's confident with it teaches you your own strength and it gets you actually does get you even stronger and it just teaches you this not the end of the world you know to grab hold of someone move their arms around it shows you what you're capable of which is i think it's a tremendous skill just that yeah yeah definitely and it's a range if we, if we talk strictly grappling it's a range that most karate people don't spend a lot of time at and i'm not saying you need to spend loads of time there because because you don't especially for self-defense but you need you you need to have some knowledge of it mm. i think it's the, the way I kind of look at it is you, you don't want to be a master at every range, but you don't want to be a beginner at every range. You need to be competent at every range. And that is a big range of of modern combat, is that grappling clinch range. So you can't really ignore it. But doing those those little games like that, just as part of a warm-up, even for 10 minutes, is 10 minutes worth of training that is somewhat beneficial. Just gaining a dominant position is a good skill. Because you can't do any technique if you're not in a dominant position. If you can't get that position, you're not going to be able to do the technique. Mm. So those drills, even though they're like they're fun and games, they're still they're really beneficial. Yeah, they are. And what I then like is the cheats to get out of them. If the person yeah, that's the rule. Is I, I, I yeah, I don't tell people this, but my rule is you can always cheat. You don't tell people this. That came out of me not being do, able to get out of something to, once. Do so I need I to tell you the nature of what we're doing here if you don't want to tell people this? That's <laughs> fine. To explain this to you. It's fine. <laughs> it did come out of, though, me. I think it was probably me and Brad, I guess, and he had me in something. I, I, the drill wouldn't allow me to do something that would help me get out of it, so I just did it anyway and then said, oh, no, I said we could do that. It's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's my sneaky way out. It's like I said to you the other day, he's like, oh, Greg, I couldn't, I just couldn't do this. I said, well, do this. But you didn't say we could do that. Yeah, it's fine. Just do it anyway. <laughs> Don't worry. That's okay. Just tell me and then yeah. no one else in the club. That's fine. Okay. No one else will know. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I love doing those live sparring and grappling. It's been so useful. And I think for just about anyone who does it, it's definitely confidence building. It is. Yeah. Even for me to this day is is confidence building because especially when you go with somebody you've you've never 
grappled or sparred with. And, and if they're bigger than you as well, because I mean, I'm I'm not a big guy by any means. I'm short and slim, so most people are generally bigger than me. So when you go for sort of like someone who we train with on Tuesdays and Thursdays, is what six three, mm-hmm. and about nine, eighteen, nineteen stone. So we were doing a drill the other day where we had a, a strike shield, and it was basically just a a rugby tackle towards one end of the hall when you had to stop him. <laughs> and I was with him. And I was like, well, what? Like, there's nothing I can do at all. You could be the best grappler in the world. You're not going to stop someone who's that much bigger than you, push you forward. But that was the exercise. That was the exercise. If you were free it, to change exactly. the exercise, you would have taken hold of the shield, you would have stepped round to the exactly. side, tripped him up, done yeah, exactly. a hundred other things. Yes. But that was the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why what... I can't remember how the hell we even started talking about that. I have a feeling this is going to be the most random show. I'm going to be here for about six weeks. No, this. I think it's, it's it's fairly consistent. Is it? I think in terms of topic, it started off, what do you do when you have a bad session, which led into sparring, which led okay. into all of this. Okay. I think just leave it like that, though. I think people like to hear that, like the organic change in conversation. That's what when I like listening to podcasts, I like that. I do like listening to that as well. It's it's I it's do. it's and a nice you kind of just follow it along and yeah. I think um it's a lot less formal. Yeah, you don't want it to be yeah. Well, also this isn't an interview. No, such. it's just a conversation yeah. about karate. It is. Boom. <laughs> Title right there. <laughs> yeah. Do we just do something with an algorithm somewhere? Could we? we? Could do. Did we? we? Could do. No, I think we just did. You just, oh, you I see. One yes, by putting I did. The name I did into the show. There you go. Yeah, see, that's what I bring. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I bring to this podcast. Something about algorithms. Yeah, definitely. Splendid. Yeah. And the word Splendid. definitely a hundred times. And the word definitely one hundred times. I think I've been better though today. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> I wrote a cheat sheet for us. <laughs> you did. I've been looking at it without a doubt. I've been looking at it. That's on there. Certainly. I couldn't really fit that in anywhere. That's not me. I don't really say that. No, 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 me neither. But um, so before we go, mm. also, um, you asked me last week how long I've been doing karate. And uh, and I, I couldn't answer you because I really couldn't remember. Oh, I did ask you. Dates yeah, 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 yeah not, I did, yeah. Dates not being my strong I went blank suit. blank then. I did ask you that, yeah. You did. I should know, really. <clears throat> well, I should know, but I listened to this many times editing it. Um, and the answer is, this is damn near an anniversary, because okay. it was January. Do we have cake for this anniversary or something? <gasps> we, should cake. we should have brought cake. We should have brought cake. I promised you cake. Did I actually you? promised cake. I don't remember that. Okay, I'm going to edit this out, and then you can't... I'll, okay, that's then, fine. Yeah, and then you won't know that I said it. Um, <laughs> I can lie about it. Yeah, it's... um. This is the beginning of my fourth year doing karate. It was... Yeah, 2016, January 2016, that I first walked into Jeff's class. And it was the six-week challenge then as well, because this is something we, we're recording this at Summer Valley FM, and this is where we do a, a local six-week challenge, and we invite people to come and do things for six weeks that they really want to get done, start the year off. And that year, I was supposed to be redecorating and right. clutter clearing. So I'm an, a really good procrastinator. Like, really, really good. And I'll do all sorts of things in order to avoid doing the thing that I really should be doing. <laughs> so that year was unusual because I went and took up karate rather than doing what I should have been doing. I did do what I should have been doing anyway, but I took up karate instead. Or as well as. It's good. So that was different. So it's the fourth year. This is the beginning of my fourth year. It's not doing too badly. No, you're doing pretty good, I'd say. 
Your fourth year, my 22nd year. My 22nd year. year, the year you turn fourth, Ben. Hopefully. It's not happened yet. <laughs> Let's not jinx it. <laughs> uh, you've got you've got better because this time you've actually made an appointment. Or you're trying to set I'm a date. I'm trying to set a date. I've got a date. I'm just keeping it to myself at the moment in case it changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to share it when you know it or are you going to just keep the whole yeah, thing no, no, quiet no, yeah, in, until you've done it? Yeah. I just, I don't, I want to avoid training for the test, like I was saying earlier. Mm. So I'm just training at the moment. And then when it creeps up, it creeps up. Yeah. I do find that hard. I know when our next date is. And I'm already feeling the pressure. There's <laughs> no pressure. Like I said, it's just a, if you have to miss it, you miss it. If you don't, you don't. Nah. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. We have ranted here in the studio for a considerable amount of time. We have. And now it is um, it's time for us to go because <laughs> we have other lives here. Yes. Um, so I will be getting into the editing of all of this, <laughs> deciding what's being kept. Making something out of Making it. Making something out of this. Or we're all going to leave it all in and leave it as a big, one big loose conversation. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. But as ever, Greg, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been Sue and Greg's Conversations on Karate, podcast number two. Podcast number two, on to the third one. And there will the be final the in the one. trilogy, <laughs> before we start the next trilogy. <laughs> the return of the Jedi of podcasts is what the next one will be. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Okay. You're, you're not a Star Wars fan, are you? I don't know. No. no. That reference was lost on you. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Anyway. Return of the King. No. That's, <laughs> that's that's a conversation for another podcast. You don't like him? What, Lord, like of the, that? what Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so much. It's alright. I need to give it another try. All I remember about Return of the King is it had about 87 endings. And I was in the cinema thinking, when will this end? This has been going on for too long. Sort of like this podcast. There's the end. That's good, wasn't it? Goodbye, everyone. Bye, Greg. <laughs> if you could work that into the ending, that would be impressive. <laughs>